You know, the good news of Jesus Christ, this was deeply effective in only a few years. Acts chapter 18 tells us that. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembert. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We go through the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. We do that every year. And today we're in Acts chapter 18. We're going to study that in about two minutes time. So stay there. It is going to be a good one. Corey and Ryan are also here. Corey? Well, right at the very beginning of Acts 18, we're told that the Apostle Paul travels to the city of Corinth. So that's where we're looking at today. Ryan? Today I'm talking about Paul, the imposter. Well, what's that all about? Well, join me a little later. We'll talk about it. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, Paul was a lot of things to a lot of people. Anyway, Janice, what are we doing today? It's Friday again. That means we get to answer a question. Well, I say we, but it's really Corey and Ryan and you at home. I'm going to ask a question anywhere from Acts chapter 4 through to 20. Acts 18, 1 through 11. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them. So, because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for by occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak, and do not keep silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 11. Acts chapter 18, 19, and 20. Again, we come across this amazing storytelling passage. In the modern Greek city of Peloponnese is uh, located about 80 kilometers west of Athens. And it sits on a hill approximately 300 feet above sea level. Now, its ancient name was, ready for it, Corinth, and it is still populated today. Corinth is not a famous city. It is an infamous city. <laughs> in fact, if you wanted to insult someone in the time of the first century, you would simply say, you're acting like a Corinthian. Corinth had a great, well, not a great reputation. Corinth was known for its decadence and its evil. 
Yet it was in this city that God told Paul not to be afraid to speak and teach the gospel because he had many people there. In Corinth? Really? Well, if I were Jewish, I would not be able to wrap my head around what God was saying. In all honesty, I think I would have had an argument with God. But you know, Paul did not. He stayed in Corinth and ministered and teaching the word of God to the people. And because of Paul's obedience, God worked a miracle through him. He brought salvation to the wretched Corinthians. This is stunning. I want to tell you, it is really interesting. Now to Corinth, we're talking about Acts 18. We'll get to the letter later. We're going to take our Bible guide. I would encourage you to take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage in the Bible, the greatest book of all. And if you don't have a Bible guide, why not? You can call us or write to us. We will send you one. But let me tell you something. There's a way you can get a Bible guide by going to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And when you go there, click on the Bible guide page, and it'll take you to a place where you can download it just exactly how we printed it. But it asks you to give a donation. And may I say, thank you so much for your donations. They're very important to us. We really appreciate them. Because of your donations, we can continue broadcasting this program. So I want to thank you for that. The Lord has been good, especially in this time. Now let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us as we look at Paul's activity in Corinth. You know, this is uh, an interesting time in a, in a very interesting place. I guess if we were all to decide where you should put a church, Corinth wouldn't be in the running, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to see you just don't do things the way we think, but you do things the way that are right. Because everything you do is filled with your Holy Spirit and perfect. And we thank you, Lord, for that. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen. Now, let's go on and look at this, because in Acts 18, we find it very interesting. Watch this. Here it is. After these things, Paul departed from Athens, and he went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontius, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. That was part of what they did in the, in the problems with the Christians. And one time he said, get out of Rome, so they did. And he came to them. So because he was of the same trade, tent maker, he stayed with them and worked for the occupation they were tent makers. Now, what's amazing about this is we learn something important. The gospel or the good news was deeply effective in a few short years. Our presence is a threat to Satan's forces because of Jesus Christ working in and through us. Now, did you notice that Aquila and Priscilla were kicked out of Rome because Claudius had it? And if you look at the history of Rome, you'll understand that the, the emperors were frustrated with Christians. I mean, Nero, later on, I mean, he blamed the Christians for a fire that started in Rome, which there's no way they did it. And actually, it was horrible. What he did to the Christians was terrible. And the persecution of Christians. Now, why is that? Because the Christians didn't have any weapons. There was no ability to fight war. Why is that? Well, it's because Satan was threatened by the power of Jesus Christ. And what's true then is true now. 
Satan is threatened by the power of Jesus Christ. So we need to remember that. That's very important. Acts chapter 18, verse 4. Here's what it says. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. And when Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit. This is important. He was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. When the Jews did not accept his message of Jesus Christ, Paul went to the Gentiles. Now listen to me. We must share the good news with all who will listen. There are many people who simply won't listen. We can pray for them, but that's all we can do. But to those who will listen, to those who are tired of living life their own way, to those who are tired of doing things and messing up, to those who see the consequence of sin and don't try to make excuses through it or buy their way out of it. If you're ready to accept Jesus, I encourage you to do so right now. Say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I need you and I need you now. Just call out to him. Say, I, I, I need to repent in Jesus' name. And you don't have to call an 800 number or sign up for anything. Just call out to God. That's the most important thing. Acts chapter 18, verse 7. And he departed from there and he entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshiped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. This is fascinating. He's right next to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized in Corinth. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak. Do not keep silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you. Now listen to this. For I have many people in this city. And he continued there for a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. God was among the Corinthians in a special way. We must follow the calling of God in everything, even if we do not understand it. There are many places where God is, and I don't get it. But am I ever glad that God's there? Testimony. There was a testimony of a gentleman the other day, and I think to myself, Lord, how in the world? I mean, he was doing drugs and God talked to him in the middle of the doing drugs and delivered him. It's just, I mean, it's just amazing. God delivers us when our souls are so desperate that we need him. You see, what God calls clean, we have to learn what Peter did. We must not call unclean. So let's understand that. And Father, help us today as we send, spread your word to know that in Jesus' name. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right, on your phone, your iPhone, or your Android phone. 
And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there. Okay, well, right at the beginning of Acts chapter 18, it says this, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. Now, Corinth is a really interesting city. It has a ton of very popular archeology span today. It's a really interesting site to be able to go visit. There's tons of pictures of ancient Corinth, but let's dig into history and see what we can learn about it. The book of Acts lets us know that Paul stayed at the city of Corinth for a year and a half, despite the average one to two month stay he would have held to, to account for all the cities on his travel list. Paul also wrote at least three letters to the Christian church at Corinth, represented by 1st and 2nd Corinthians. When looking at ancient Corinth, it becomes easy to see why it would have been a good place for Paul to hunker down and teach. Corinth was made a Roman colony by Julius Caesar in 44 BC. The influx of imperial money and construction that brought with it ensured the city would prosper. Settlers were brought to Corinth to kickstart its new economy and political purpose, but due to most of them being freed slaves and from poorer segments of the empire's population, they drew criticism from the more elite Roman citizenry. Despite this criticism, Corinth quickly grew into a large, prosperous Roman colony and was made the capital of the Roman province of Achaia. Interestingly, in Acts 18, we're told that near the end of his time in Corinth, Paul was brought before the Roman governor Gallio. It's known that Lucius Junius Gallio arrived as proconsul in the summer of 51 AD, giving us a starting time of Paul's stay around the beginning of 50 AD. Corinth was so important to the Roman Empire because of its strategic location. It controlled land and sea trade routes. At Corinth, there was a three-mile stretch of land separating the Aegean and Adriatic Seas. A specialized road with wooden cars were built that could pull smaller ships across the land, or the cargo of larger ships, saving them a 200-mile sea journey around the peninsula. Corinth also housed a large temple to the god of healing. Sick pilgrims would travel from all around so they could go to the temple to bathe, dine, exercise, and stay, waiting for healing. In Paul's time, Corinth was also responsible for the great Isthmian Games, sporting competitions held every two years in honor of the sea god and by his shrine about 10 miles from the city. The massive arrival of athletes and spectators brought what they still do to this day, money and unfortunately, prostitution. At Corinth, Paul could preach to travelers, sailors, and merchants who could then spread the gospel far and wide. Thanks to the city's well-connected location, he could send missionaries and letters quickly. The Isthmian Games created a thriving market for Paul's tent-making profession to financially support himself, and it would have opened evangelistic opportunities to preach to the crowds. Corinth's bustling life gained it a reputation for outrageous immorality. Travelers and revelers grew the city's seedy underbelly and the population kept it going. Paul's emphasis on outstanding moral living reflects this. If Gentile Christianity could thrive here in the most immoral of places, then it could thrive anywhere. 
Now, of course, Corinth is one of those places where it's really interesting to read about Paul's interactions with them in Acts, because of course, later we have a letter, an epistle that he wrote to them, two of them, in our Bible, right? First and second Corinthians. So we're going to talk more about Corinth, of course, when we get there, but that's it for now. It's very interesting, Corey. Now, you do a weekend program with your husband. I do. Where's that at? Right. It's on my YouTube channel, which is my name, Corey Babechko. We do the weekend show. So we release it on Friday so that you can watch it anytime on the weekend. And what it is, is we talk about uh, big topics that pop up as we're reading through the Bible. And we also, uh, you know, we talk about viewer questions and, and try to answer those as best as we can, too. So if you're interested in that, hop on over. And hopefully in the new year, we'll have... Uh, you know, that program will be on stations and they'll be able to air it. So it'll be fun. Yeah, we're going to see what happens. Okay, very good. Ryan, you're up. Yes. And I know that our reading today is Acts 18 to 20, but today I'm jumping ahead a chapter because it's in chapter 21 where Paul is arrested by the Romans, but they have no idea who he is. As a matter of fact, the Roman commander says to Paul, are you not the Egyptian who some time ago stirred up a rebellion and led the 4,000 assassins into the wilderness? Now, me and my curiosity got me to wondering just who exactly this Egyptian rebel was and what that rebellion entailed. Now, of course, the book of Acts doesn't give us any more details about this since that's not Luke's purpose here. But interestingly, the Jewish historian Flavius Josephus does tell us a little bit more about this Egyptian as well as the overall state that the nation was in. Check it out. When Paul the Apostle expressed his desire to return to Jerusalem as part of his third missionary journey, his friends and companions cried and pleaded with him not to return there for fear of his life. In fact, even a prophet named Agabus came to Paul from Judea and took the Apostle's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said the Holy Spirit says, In this way the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Yet despite even this illustrative warning, Paul could not and would not be dissuaded. Why are you weeping and breaking my heart, he replied. I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So onward to Jerusalem he went, and as predicted, Paul was seized and handed over to Rome. But interestingly, the Roman commander did not know who he had in custody. Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists out into the wilderness some time ago? Although the Bible gives no further detail regarding this Egyptian terrorist, the Jewish historian Josephus, in his Antiquities of the Jews, documents this particular event, as well as the overall state of turmoil the nation was in. Now, as for the affairs of the Jews, says Josephus, they grew worse and worse continually, for the country was again filled with robbers and impostors, who deluded the multitude. These works that were done by the robbers filled the city with all sorts of impiety, and now these impostors and deceivers persuaded the multitude to follow them into the wilderness, and pretended that they would exhibit manifest wonders and signs that should be performed by the providence of God. Moreover, there came out of Egypt about this time to Jerusalem one that said he was a prophet, and advised the multitude of the common people to go along with him to the Mount of Olives, as it was called, which lay over against the city and at the distance of five furlongs. He said further that he would show them from hence how at his command the walls of Jerusalem would fall down, and he promised them that he would procure them an entrance into the city through those walls when they were fallen down. 
Now when Felix was informed of these things, he ordered his soldiers to take their weapons and came against them with a great number of horsemen and footmen from Jerusalem and attacked the Egyptian and the people that were with him. He also slew 400 of them and took 200 alive. But the Egyptian himself escaped out of the fight, but did not appear any more. So it was this particular Egyptian imposter for whom Paul was misidentified. However, as Paul informed the Roman commander, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no ordinary city. Thus, in stark contrast to these all-too-common robbers and impostors, Paul was an apostle of light, preaching the truth of the living Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so you might be wondering what my purpose was for focusing on some details that weren't given in the Bible. Well, there's a couple of different reasons. One reason is to show that historical documents outside of the Bible agree with what's recorded in the Bible. That's important. But another reason was to show the state of turmoil that the nation was in, so you can understand why the Romans were so aggressive. And this was the state of the world Paul was living in at the time. But the most important reason of all was to show the clear difference between the true apostles of God, like Paul, and the false ones, like this Egyptian. We should all heed the warning that Jesus gave in Matthew 24. If anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So may we not be deceived. Make sure you know what the voice of your Lord and Master sounds like. And how do you do that? Well, by spending time with Him in prayer and by reading the Bible. It's very important. I think it's not only important, but uh, today, truth um, is lost. And uh, we had an event that I went to and uh, the news media reported it and they were totally wrong. All the news media in Canada were totally wrong. And I find it interesting that truth is one thing that we often lose. And so, you know, we have to read the word of God and ask the Holy Spirit to show us what he wants us to see so we can see it. And that's why we focus on the Bible. Now, the traditions, I read those books too. And I read all Flavius Josephus, he's another one. Book of Jasher, Old Testament, that's another one. But we focus on teaching the Bible because the Bible's sacred. And that's what we focus on. Very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and while you were saying that, you know, I think I think a, I, I really honestly believe that a huge part of our problem today, because you had talked about how the news media was reporting something very false, because uh, you were a part of this event and they were just misrepresenting it. And I and and how indicative that is of our Western culture right now, not just with the news media, but with us, with social media, with us in our everyday lives, we've become so polarized. We've completely disconnected from one another. We've dehumanized each other. We've just become ideas, either an idea that's for me or, or against me, an idea mm -hmm. that supports me or an idea that tries to tear me down. And that's just not real. That's the, the, the nuance is not there. And we can do that with anything. We can do that with people. We can do that with books. We can do that with ideas. And we can even do that with the Bible, right? We can read the Bible and, and pull out of it only the things that, that support our own ideas. 
rather than approaching the Bible as if an actual person wrote it to actual people and try to find out what is the intention of the author of the Bible? What is the Bible trying to say here? Not what do I think the Bible is, but what is the Bible actually trying to communicate? And how do I feel about that? And what does that mean for my life? And actually having this conversation with the scripture as you would someone you actually care about, right? Like if you say something to me, dad, that I find controversial, that's offensive to me, I don't just go, well, I guess I'm never talking to you again, enemy of my soul, (laughs) right? I would go, well, what do you mean by that? And then give you a chance to explain yourself. And we may still end up disagreeing, but then at least I've still respected you as a person and taken time enough to understand where you're coming from Mm -hmm. and to actually understand what what you're really saying because maybe I've misinterpreted it. But people don't understand how to work with each other like that. And I find that fascinating talking about the Hebrew people because a lot of people say it's a a joke because you have two Jewish people and you got five opinions. But, But that's what God said to Isaiah is come let us, God yeah. says to Isaiah, come let us reason together. Yeah. And God made us and he knows us and he's worked us out that way. And today the logarithms don't do us any favors, but they feed us what we want. We're relational. We we We're exactly. supposed to be. Supposed We're created to be. to be relational. More on this in the future. The only yeah. way Very we get good. better is to start. We got a minute. Yeah, we better get going here. I am so, so I ranted. I'm This sorry. is going to help us all to relate because we have a question. All right. Oh, we can do it in a minute. Six. No problem. What was the name of the street? where the Lord sent Ananias to find Saul of Tarsus. Was that Straight Street, Stone Street, or Shepherd Street? What was the name of the street where the Lord sent Ananias to find Saul of Tarsus? There's a conference here. I can see them (laughs) discussing it sort of with each other through their eyes. Is it Straight Street? Is it Stone Street? Or is it Shepherd Street? Um, I think it's straight street and you could, that's, I think that's I think what it is as well. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a look. I wonder what you guessed it at home. Acts chapter nine, verse 11 says, so the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus for behold, he is praying. If you guess straight street, You got it right. If you got it wrong, that's okay. Join us again next Friday for the next question. BibleDiscoveryTV.com. BibleDiscoveryTV. Remember the TV, that's important.com. That's where our website is. That's where you can watch this program. All of the programs are there. That's where you can get a hold of the Bible Guide. There's a lot of written material there. We work on that very hard to make it for you so that you can get to it and learn what the Lord says. 
Father, today we pray, thank you for the plan which you have for my life. Help me to follow your plan and not try to do mine in Jesus' name.